Hello, and welcome to the Wiley Society Podcast. I'm Anna Ehler. Today we're going to listen in on a talk that was given at the 2018 Wiley Society Executive Seminar in Washington, D.C. by Katya Brooks, Science Program Officer at the Jan Zuckerberg Initiative. You might already be familiar with CZI because of the coverage they've gotten in the media or its connection to Facebook through its founders, Mark Zuckerberg and Priscilla Chan. Whatever you know or think you know about CZI and their agenda, CZI is one of a new breed of organizations that could have profound impacts on how research is funded and communicated. This episode is about why. Here's Katya. So um, my goal for today is to, um, to give you essentially uh, some background on CZI. We're a relatively new organization, and I'll present that as a case study for how, how we're approaching um, our interaction with the science and research space. Um, I mean, we're, of course, different from many other funders. There's some commonalities or some differences. So at the end, I'll kind of come back to some summary comments on, uh, I think, the role that funders are playing in the research ecosystem uh, focusing on areas that are beyond just money. We were f- founded in uh, December of 2015, so just barely, not even three years ago, by Mark Zuckerberg, uh, founder of Facebook, and his wife, Priscilla Chan, who is herself a pediatrician and educational philanthropist. They founded CZI on the birth of their first daughter, Max, where they committed to giving away the vast majority of their wealth. Um, choosing to focus on issues that were close to their heart in the areas of promoting equality and advancing human potential. And so there's three initiatives at CZI. I'm going to talk about one of them today, education, science, and a policy and advocacy group that focuses on issues around justice and opportunity. A lot of the work there is working on issues like criminal justice reform, housing, uh, income inequality. But today I'll just talk mainly about science. Uh, When they launched CZI, now just under three years ago, one of their first missions was to just bring in excellent leadership. And so each of those initiatives is led um, by an esteemed person in their field. So Jim Shelton, who was Deputy Director of Education under Obama, runs the education group. David Plouffe, who ran the Obama campaigns and is obviously a person who's very um, focused on kind of the role of data in politics, runs the Policy, Justice, and Opportunity Initiative. And Corey Bargman, who is a professor of genetics and neuroscience at Rockefeller University, she was one of the um, leaders and advisors of the NIH Brain Initiative, runs the science organization. And that's the organization that I'm a part of. And we have this um, ambitious um, mission statement, so supporting basic science and technology that will make it possible to cure, prevent, or manage all diseases by the end of the century. So I am not a Silicon Valley guru, but in the Valley, this is normal. Saying things like this is is just the norm. (laughs) When you present this to a scientist and a researcher, and Corey does a much better job of it than I do, she usually pauses, and then the eyes roll back and the chuckles happen, and um, people see it as either ambitious if they're optimists or hubris if they're not. Um, And then she unpacks it. And I think when I first heard this, when I started talking to Corey about coming over to CZI, Um, I had the same reaction, but unpacking it, I think it's a really powerful, optimistic, and ambitious statement. You may have rolled your eyes, too, when Katya described CZI's mission to support basic science and technology in order to cure, prevent, or manage all diseases by the end of the century. So just how exactly are they going to do that? 
It's 80 years to the end of the century. That's not 10,000 years, but that's 80 years. And if you actually look back at what has happened in health and healthcare delivery in the last 80 years, a lot of progress has been made. People died en masse of infectious disease. Um, HIV came on as a disorder that was um, killing people also en masse, and it's now a manageable disorder. Um, cancers, many cancers, not all, but many are treatable. So thinking about what can we do now that would allow us over the next 80 years to kind of accelerate that level of progress, I think that's, that's sort of the, the kind of practical part of that mission statement. The other thing that's, I think, quite interesting about it is that it's a very broad mission statement. We are not a disease foundation. We are not going to tackle diseases one step at a time or one disease at a time. We're really looking about ways that we can develop approaches to accelerate science overall and basic science that will allow us to build solid foundations to really kind of scale progress to be able to tackle all diseases at the same time. So how are we going to do that? Um, again, it's a long-term agenda. We're right now focused on the first part of that agenda, um, but there's essentially three pillars that we've been focused on. One is thinking about new ways to build um, collaborative groups of engineers, scientists, physicians, theorists, um, and I'll talk a little bit later about even patients. So collaboration is kind of an engine for that innovation. The second thing is around um, enabling tools and technologies. And when I say tools, we're talking quite broadly from experimental tools to data tools, analytic tools, to even tools about how we communicate scientific information and insight. And the third area is around building support for science and really thinking about changing the culture in and around science. One, um, we, we have, in addition to the group that works on the science team, um, a separate team that works under David Plouf in the policy and advocacy group that's really thinking about ways that CZI could kind of commit to building more support for science overall. So that's more support amongst policymakers, but more support amongst the general public. Um, within that group, we have um, kind of a nascent strategy that we're developing around patients, around patients and how to engage them in the research enterprise, how to bring them on as partners, and really kind of leverage their interest in driving science and health forward as a way of building support for science in our broader culture. And the third aspect is, is, is really changing the culture of science. So thinking about ways to make science um, more open, more transparent, more rigorous. Um, open science values and principles runs through everything we do, and I can talk about that in more detail in a bit. It's probably clear by now that CCI is a little different from many of the traditional private funders you might be more familiar with grant-making organizations that give money to individual researchers or institutions supporting research infrastructure, essentially, or the type of funders that do research themselves, often in fairly specific areas of study. CZI marries these two models. They're a grant-making organization, but they're also a technology organization that builds open-source software and tools to enable education, policy, and science. This type of organization, one that blends funding, building, and collaboration, is something we're likely to see more of in the future. So if CCI is a model for the funders of the future, what disciplines and projects are they actually investing in? We're still learning how we choose projects, and most of the projects that we think about originate first from either the staff or from our advisory board. Um, but we, have, um, we are starting to develop a quite rigorous process for how we think about projects. 
And um, this, I think, applies to all of CZI, so also the education and policy efforts, and it comes from the top down, from Mark and Priscilla, is that we, when we're thinking about projects, we're not looking for one-offs, but really thinking about areas where we can have a systemic effect, where what we're doing is scalable, where we feel like we can have a differentiated impact and where we can learn. So one major investment um, that came from CZI and Mark and Priscilla made very early on is something called the Chen Zuckerberg Biohub. And this is a local Bay Area um, physical and virtual institution that brings together researchers from the major Bay Area institutions, UCSF, uh, UC Berkeley, and Stanford. There is uh, sort of a physical staff there that's working on various issues mainly related to infectious disease and single cell sequencing technologies. Um, but they're also funding uh, researchers who sit at these Bay Area institutions, and the goal of that funding is to kind of bring everybody together into a collaborative environment. A second area that we're working in is, is something we're calling transformative technology. So again, it gets at this issue of rigor and reproducibility, the importance of democratizing tool access, and also open science, that so everything that we do um, every bit of funding that we give out, the requirement is that the tools, data, publications be made open. And two examples, again, of this sort of funding building collaboration idea is um, we have been a funder and supporter of BioArchive, which is a preprint repository for biomedicine. And secondly, we acquired uh, pretty early on in CZI Sciences history um, a Toronto-based AI company called Meta which is using AI and machine learning to um, enhance knowledge discovery. Um, this, I should mention, uh, reflects back on something I meant to me mention earlier, which is CZI is actually, and this is important, um, not a charitable foundation in a traditional sense. So we're an LLC. And that gives us um, some advantages in terms of what we can do around advocacy. And it does allow us to invest in by companies. And Meta was one of those. And the third project area I want to talk about is um, something that we're calling challenge networks. And so the concept here is uh, a lot like Biohub, but in a more virtual realm, is how can you build kind of new collaborative um, frameworks for research? How can we um, really bring technologists, engineers, clinicians, and research scientists together? And then how can we support the next generation of scientists? Our first iteration of this is around neurodegenerative disorders. And this neurodegeneration is actually the first disease that we're kind of looking at ways of tackling. We launched the Neurodegeneration Challenge Network earlier this year with an open call for applications. And I think this is, um, you know, somewhat different than I think the way some funders might have approached this. We basically decided from the very beginning to open it up. We did not go out and select who we thought were the, the you know, the best researchers in the field or the ones with the best ideas. We decided to open it up and let, um, let people apply at will. This is early days. Uh, we're just now evaluating um, the applications that have come in, and so it's a little bit difficult to see where this will go. But um, I can tell you just from the talks we've given and the number of applications we've received, there's been tremendous enthusiasm from the community for something like this. I think especially next generation researchers, they want to work collaboratively. They are not afraid of having their data or tools be made public. So CCI is investing in a lot of areas. Katya emphasized that because they're still so new as an organization, in many ways they're still learning how to prioritize and invest in projects. But the values of open science and finding ways they can support early career researchers underpin all their decision making. And that emphasis on open science is really important. It's not something that CZI alone is doing, for one, 
And in fact, it might be even more important than the money they're investing in particular disciplines, because the actual funding CZI offers is still a pretty small fraction of the money that's available from NIH and other sources. Katya shared some of the other ways that she sees private foundations like CZI making an impact in research in the years ahead. One is I think funders like CZI can play a big role in spotlighting research areas and maybe bringing attention to either places that have been you know, underfunded, underexplored, not enough interest from the research community even. Um, the second is around um, the policies that foundations can implement that can really um, start to incentivize and catalyze systemic changes. Open science is a big one. I think there's, I can't think of any foundations these days who are not kind of pushing this. It's not just open access, um, that's one part of it, but open data sharing, open tools and resources, open methods and protocols. And again, I mean, there's other initiatives like this at Welcome Gates, HHMI, Sloan, Moore, Arnold, there's many of them. I mean, people are, think groups are tackling different issues in different ways, but I think the commitment to advancing open science, I think, um, kind of runs through everyone's strategies these days. Disease-focused foundations, which we are not, we are not focused on one disease, but I think disease foundations have played an important role for quite a long time now. Um, around how science, basic science, is translated to clinical application and sort of filling a gap, if you will, between academic basic research and um, industry. And increasingly, you know, these foundations um, are being driven by the patients and patients' families themselves. We're doing quite a lot on the policy side and thinking about ways to um, empower patients and patient advocates to really be a part of the research enterprise and drive research forward. You know, it's not that the NIH isn't doing this, but I think the foundations can do it in a way that is often um, just a little bit more nimble than I think what happens at the NIH. And lastly is um, the power of foundations like CZI in convening and influ influencing decision makers. Um, many of them um, in the private space have uh, you know, obviously kind of generous benefactors, but also benefactors who themselves have convening power and influencing power. And so I think being able to kind of leverage that in the wider public space has also been really influential. In our case, I mean, obviously our founder is Mark Zuckerberg, uh, who's a founder of Facebook as well. We actually do nothing with Facebook. There are kind of legal um, and sort of ethical walls between us and Facebook. And so people often come to us and say, hey, all that patient data on Facebook. And the truth is, we're the last ones who can do anything about it. And so um, there's a major firewall between us and Facebook. Mark and Priscilla are both intimately involved. And so I think Mark's really the main thing that straddles and obviously um, their, their generous um, funding. So it's not just in driving open science where funders are having an impact although that is a major trend, and one that we certainly are paying attention to. For more on what Wiley is doing to support openness and transparency in research, visit authorservices.wiley.com and go to the Open Science section in Resources for Authors. That's it for this episode. We're going to be taking a short break from podcasting over the next few months as we work to bring you a new and improved Wiley Society podcast in 2019. While we won't be releasing new episodes, I hope you'll explore previous shows. There are some great ones on open science in the archives. And stay tuned for new episodes coming next year. Our editorial advisory group includes Alexa Dugan, David Nicholson, Sarah Phibbs, Deb Wyatt, and Nielsen Turner. Our theme music for this episode was provided by Jason Shaw and edited by Dennis Velasco. And you can listen to other episodes 
and learn when new episodes are released by subscribing to the Wiley Society podcast in iTunes. You can also sign up for our mailing list to learn more about what's happening at Wiley and other news and trends in research publishing by going to exchanges.wiley.com societies. Thanks for listening.